We're supposed to be positive. So I've got lots of criticism about you being negative and me being the only positive force on this show. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go and be positive. Can you say something nice for goodness sake? <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, hello everybody. My name is Tim Cohen. I'm the editor of Business Maverick. I'm talking as we usually do on Tuesday mornings with Mark Barnes, who's an investment banker. We talk about the week, important stuff. We hope to pass on some knowledge and a little bit of entertainment maybe. So Mark, I don't know whether you remember this, but last week, interest rates went up by another 50 basis points. This is obviously causes quite a lot of angst and grinding of teeth around the country. Do you think that the Reserve Bank went too far this time. I ask because the interest rates are now higher than they've been for the past 14 years, and the economy is not booming, so you don't really expect inflation. So do you think they messed up? No, I'm curious about a couple of things. First of all, this pendulum behavior of central banks around the world is such a blunt instrument. Okay, so they were the ones that did the quantitative easing, which gave us the cheap money, which we all went out and spent and enjoyed. And now they're the ones administering the medicine. Both instruments are a little blunt, but I'm not sure I have a better alternative. But this is the first time I've starkly observed that we increase interest rates and the RAND weakens at the same time. Normally, you increase interest rates and your currency strengthens because the yield has improved relative to what it was before and so on. And so... To me, it's a little bit like someone was taking Pernado, and then you see them taking Mypredol, and you realize maybe this isn't just a headache. Maybe there's trouble. <laughs> the medicine indicates the severity of the disease, okay? And so we're taking more and more Muti. Something's wrong. And I think the fundamentals are wrong. The threat of sanctions out of the USA is not trivial and so on. I don't think there is another way, but I would be gentler. And I would be more observant. And what's wrong with watching? If you took out a mortgage bond a couple of years ago, your payments have doubled. Yeah. And people usually gear up to the limit of their disposable income. Yes. So people are going bust. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that has a knock-on effect on consumer behavior, on property. So it's not good. It does feel to me as though we've passed a little bit of a point of no return where the increasing interest rates really don't help us anymore. The criticism from the left and actually from quite a lot of centrist economists about this particular interest rate increase is that actually increasing the interest rates is not going to help with any of the problems that are causing inflation in South Africa. Yeah. You can't see yeah. that increasing interest rates is going to help with the electricity problem. It's not, right? And that's what's causing the decline of the economy and so on. Ultimately, I do sympathize with the Reserve Bank because I think that they are basically in a corner. And they've only got one instrument, as you said, interest rate increases. They are as frustrated as everybody else is. Actually, I think the Reserve Bank, the gap between government and the Reserve Bank is interestingly wide at the moment. If you think about the things that they've been quite explicit about, which I think is slightly betrays their frustration with what government is doing. It's very unusual. Yeah. I mean, we, I'm not an economist, but we're suffering from cost-push inflation rather than demand-pull inflation, if there is such a set of terms. Okay, so it's exactly as you said. The reason why we've got any inflation at all is because the retailers are having to pass on that cost of diesel and so on and so on and so on. And so I think we should look to all sides of our income statement and bear in mind that as we restrict consumer disposable income, so we restrict profits and taxable income. And so this thing feeds on itself into a narrower and narrower source of revenue, if you like. 
I've always been one for growth before discipline, if you like. I said, make the revenue grow and the other things will look after themselves. That's where I'm coming from. But as you say, it's a very difficult world to manage when you've got hundreds and hundreds of, as you said, we said last week, all of the CEOs are going, oh, we can't afford the cost pushes that we're getting from energy and other problems that we all suffer. And so the Reserve Bank can only look at a certain set of tools and they have a mandate. One of those has got to change. Let's not change their mandate to be more consensus-driven because that would be a mistake. Their independence is one of the pillars we still rely on here. Yeah. No, totally. Just one of the interesting things I saw this morning was that the Reserve Bank actually came out against the government's position on the Ukraine conflict. Yeah. It was basically about financial stability. They were looking at it through that lens. Yeah. But it's so ironic. On the same day the Reserve Bank makes that comment, yeah. <laughs> government announces that, that actually they've given Putin diplomatic immunity for the BRICS summit, which is happening in August. It's like completely different messages coming out today. It's, a, it's very remarkable. He should be okay as long as he doesn't go to an autobank because we're not going to give him any lift. Okay? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Let's hope he doesn't drink any water because <laughs> that could also result in... <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, we've got our own tricks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And let him stay in a bit of load shedding and he'll, he'll for shorten his visit. It is a curious conundrum that we find ourselves in, the Lady R conundrum. And now I see one of our generals, I think the head of the SADF has said he'll put his head on his, on a block that they didn't load ammunition or whatever it was. And there we've got the US ambassador prepared to die, stake his life on the fact that they did. So we're going to have an execution one way or the other, okay, it seems to me. <laughs> yes, yes, but yes, yes. It's, and the threat or even the vague possibility of interfering with our significant trade with the US and the West at large, and Europe for that matter. But you know what, Tim, I'm seeing big sea changes in the power players in the world. Yep. And if you look at China, a number of things I read about China, for example, they've just come out with saying they're going to vastly improve their education system. They see that as a weapon of mass takeover or something. Okay? And they're right. Okay. Yes. And if you look at the sort of deals they're trying to do in, in Africa and you look at the whole determination and economic power and they're winning the, the space race now and all of these kinds of things, there is a shift in world power and world influence that I don't sure we fully comprehend right now. And we'll be, I hope not, but we might just be the, the ball in the middle of that game. Okay. And I hope not. Yeah. Yeah. I find the government's position on Ukraine is just contradictory, curious, weird. Obviously, I get the fact that if you're part of the BRICS group, they have to show some deference to the members of the BRICS executive and so on. I mean, I, you know, one understands this, right? But what we want from government is we want them to play this neutrality card with more sophistication than they are at the moment. That's the thing. Because being neutral in all of this it could be good for us. They're not playing a neutrality card, let's face it. Yeah, a neutral can be not being neutral. Okay, there's, there's no question we're not being neutral. I mean, it's, it's so interesting because both Mandela and Mbeki played the kind of neutrality card with such skill. And you would expect a sort of born diplomat like Ramaphosa to be able to do the same thing. They played that card with skill, but they never deferred beyond principle. Okay, so these coalitions which require of you to leave your principles at home don't have any space in my life. As you said, Mandela and, and Becky would have these alliances and these allegiances and these things, but they spoke out on matters of principle without reserve. Yeah. And why? 
they had the statesmanship and the cause and the proof of purpose to back it up. Exactly. And I think that's where we're standing still. We've lost the gravitas of our direction. And having said that, we've got nothing to say when the big people get together. And I really feel a bit that way. I've stopped watching the news. Yep. Anyway, we're supposed to be positive too. I heard, so I got lots of criticism about you being negative and me being the only positive force on this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Go and be positive. Can you say something nice for goodness sake? <laughs> <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about the tanker m- mafia and cholera, but I presume that you would consider that to be negative. <laughs> no, why would I? Okay. So what's happening? We now have the water tank mafia. Okay. So they're going, Listen, we're making quite a good business out of this, supplying foul water to people. So let's not catch you fixing anything in the water system, okay? And that's a little bit of an Eskom behavioral observation that we've seen. So throw some rocks into, in amongst the coal, switch off some taps at the reservoir, contaminate some water, and you can make a pretty good hustle on the side, okay? So now I just wonder who's in charge. Okay? I don't think the... Mafias in the construction mafia, water mafia, electricity mafia, all the mafia groups, I don't think they're the sideline anymore. Right. I think they're the main acts. And if that's true, God help us. So, sorry, just to clarify, this is you being positive, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. If you haven't got shares in a mafia, come on, you know, get with the program. Yeah, no, no, it is depressing. But I'll tell you what is not depressing is South Africa's nurses. I'm very impressed with South Africa's nurses and their can-do attitude and their innovation using cardboard boxes for cribs. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm on their side. Listen, my mother was a nurse, man. They're not in the supply chain management of hospitals, nor are they in the management structure. They are people who have a calling in life to go out to care no matter what. And if no matter what means you put a kid in a cardboard box, good for you for finding an answer to a difficult problem. And so I'm 100% behind them. And actually, if you look at Mahikeng Hospital, for example, they've just been given 18 incubators or they got them from somewhere. People will come to the rescue. I see there's a new hospital being built somewhere in Polikwani or earmarked to be built, a multi-billion rand academic hospital. Maybe what we've seen in healthcare is the bottom. And people are starting to realize how necessary it is to build it up back again. And that's where it hurts most. And so maybe there's a foretelling lesson in how we're going to deal with the terrible backlog in surgeries and all these things because they're life-threatening. And then we're going to get on and do stuff together. So go, nurses, go. We love you. (laughs) Well, that is very positive. I'm very glad to hear that there's a – I mean, one doesn't want to find excuses and all that sort of stuff, but managing a very big population increase, very difficult thing to do. You have to be constantly planning in a long-term way. You have to be extrapolating forward and thinking about what will the hospital situation be if we get another 10 million people. And you've got to start building those hospitals now. Important stuff. And you can't do it ignoring finance, okay, because you've got so many people that cannot afford healthcare. Where is the lowest common denominator of decent healthcare? And how does the mix of having that and having private healthcare and all of those other combinations, how does that pay out in our inequality debate and things? And so maybe, as I said, this is a primal need. And if we find a way to partner with each other to solve it, it might be a great case study 
for how we deal with other challenges that we all face, whether we like it or not. And we've got, I don't know, something like 30 million people or whatever it is, 30% of, I forget the number, below the age of 30. I mean, we're a young nation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since we're on medicine, okay, there's a new Mirchi that's come out, okay. There's a lady by the name of Lian Gogo Maweni Makopo who has found a Muti, listen to this, that she alleges makes men puppets. I think they've been serving that stuff at some of our municipal councils. Okay. <laughs> okay. Because Why? Well, because we've, that's the new predeterminant for being a mayor. Okay. You have to, like, be someone's puppet. Right. Okay. And so, anyway, maybe she's got a thriving <laughs> business there, certainly in Joburg. Yeah. <laughs> it's move on from there. Well, no, I'm, it's very encouraging that there is this muti out there where, you know, people can turn you into a puppet because then, you know, at that point you're blameless. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. you can do anything. You can say, oh, I drank the muti and, you know, here I am. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, God. I've just read some great news. Ramakopa, not for the first time, is more than confident that load shedding will be reduced by December. There you go. Okay. It's going to be fine, Tim, but I don't know what we all in such a knot about. Okay. <laughs> Stop buying soda already. Yeah, right. Okay, so you're sure he's not a puppet? You're not, he's not... Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Maybe he's, he's been having the mooty. Yeah. Okay, I hope I get a commission. Yeah. You know who does seem like he was a puppet? Was Roger Federer, who was uh, recently discovered traveling cattle class on a plane. So I don't know who was his puppet master, but... You've got that completely wrong, okay? He was representing his charity, okay? Okay. And so he thought it appropriate, which I do as well, that he flew amongst the people. I think it was a short flight, though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super... <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, go, Roger, man. He was a good act. You can sit amongst the scoffle folk and... Uh, and, you know, and identify with us. Okay. Oh, well, that's, like that's good. Do you, and you fly, when you're doing voluntary work, do you fly cattle class or do you just sneak into business maybe just a little bit? I take the fifth on that. <laughs> first of all, you know, first of all, I don't like people. Oh, okay. I see. I don't like people at the best of times, okay? And people don't like me. It's a reciprocal symbiotic relationship. Okay. If there is more space between me and other people who I don't know on a plane, then I sometimes take that option. But I always wear a mask. Right. Not a COVID mask, just a disguise. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can t just tell people that normally you travel cattle, but unfortunately you're a puppet at the moment. Um, it's fully booked. <laughs> fully booked. All right, Mark, enjoy your business class travel. <laughs> okay. This is going to live with me. <laughs> And we'll catch you next week. Okay. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Next time. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. This show is part of the Africa Podcast Network. The biggest pod network on the continent. For sales inquiries, please contact us at info at africapodcastnetwork.com.